Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Peter from QuickBase, and we talked all about what no-code and low-code means for supply chain professionals and what it can actually do in your world on a day-to-day basis from a technology perspective. QuickBase is changing the way that we think about technology in supply chain, and I highly, highly recommend, if you did not listen to this episode last week, you're going to want to go and listen to it as soon as possible because it is definitely, definitely worth it to know your options and know what's out there. So if you missed it, head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast or wherever you subscribe to the show. It was episode 224. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Throughput.ai puts industrial material flow on autopilot by leveraging existing enterprise data. Throughput's AI software predicts demand, reorients production capacity, reassigns warehouse space, and reorders materials optimally more than five times faster than leading contemporary solutions. So businesses minimize over-promising and under-delivering. Sign up for a free demo to see Throughput in action. Visit throughput.ai. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are up to so many really, really cool things, and we've got a lot of really new and exciting live shows for you. You can head over to the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube page to catch up on all of them, or you can stay tuned to the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, and we're going to let you know when and where you can watch them. We've got one on sustainability, which is people, purpose, and profit with Topple. We've got Coming In Hot with Abby Baird, which is focusing on having a career in supply chain. And of course, we've got Log Tech Live happening the first Friday of every month and every Tuesday. You can catch me at 10 a.m. Eastern for Thoughts and Coffee. Today, I'm joined by a company who are the innovators of service-driven supply chain planning software for companies that face high demand volatility along with distribution and product line complexity. Can you guess who it is? Well, I will reveal it after the question of the week. So the, the question of the week that I wanted to share with you, and we ask either a question or we do a poll on my personal LinkedIn or the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page every single Wednesday morning. And this one was crazy. So the poll question that we asked was, how long is your morning commute? Because we want to kind of see, you know, are people still working remotely? Is there a hybrid? Do they still have a commute? We reached almost 70,000 people with this one. So 37% says, I work remotely. 27% says, 40 minutes to an hour commute. 21% says, 15 to 30 minutes. And 14% said, 10 to 15 minutes. But what surprised me the most was in the comments, how many people are still commuting an hour and a half, two hours each way. 
which is crazy to me. Um, but I mean, if that's something that you enjoy doing, Amanda Procrasta says, I slide down the stairs because she works remotely. And Jonathan Kempe out of Australia says, well, I walk 26 meters to my shed office and sometimes the kids' toys get in the way. Don't you hate those Legos? I mean, how many of us have stepped on a Lego and are cursing in our heads. <laughs> uh, Rhonda says a 30 minute commute now that the highways are busy again. And Lisa Fenton, her commute was only 15 to 20 minutes each way into the office. Susan Walsh in my PJs. I love that. Anna McGovern says, unfortunately, none of the above. I do work from home two days a week, but the other three days is now a 4.5 hour round trip by car. And Sean Patrick commented as well, saying he is in the same boat as well. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Felipe says, my commute takes 10 minutes. Jim Han says, 20 minutes. Uh, Mariette says, more than an hour. James says 30 seconds, but if I want coffee, it takes five minutes. And so thank you to everybody who jumped in and commented on this particular poll and this particular question. We love hearing from all of you. So check back every single Wednesday morning. So now back to today's podcast and which pioneering software company is joining me today? Well, it's Tools Group. For more than two decades, Tools Group have been helping companies around the globe achieve the highest service levels in their industries while streamlining inventory and logistics costs. Their flagship software, SO99 Plus, automates and optimizes supply chain planning tasks, including demand forecasting and sensing, multi-echelon inventory optimization, replenishment, and SNOP to meet target service levels. Today, David Barton, General Manager for the Americas at Tools Group, joins me to chat all about the company, what they do, how their service-driven approach sets them apart, and exactly how we get our businesses ready for anything. But before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about David. David Barton is General Manager for North America. His 20-plus years of executive leadership experience, including 10 years leading high-growth SaaS solutions teams in the supply chain and procurement industries, gives him deep perspective on supply chain issues. Prior to Tools Group, David was VP of Process Industry Sales at E2Open. David also served as Chief Revenue Officer at Rapid Ratings, where he drove the entire startup go-to-market plan and spent six years with Ariba, driving North American revenue. So welcome to the show, David. Sarah, I'm delighted to be here and I've enjoyed watching your episodes and glad to be part of one. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, your approach, your solutions, your customers. Tools Group really is just an absolute powerhouse. You guys are really driving innovation and strategy and technology. And the impact that you're making across supply chains is huge. So I can't wait to dive in. So let's just do it. All right. Before, before we talk about what Tools Group is doing now, you have an amazing story and history of innovation. So before we talk about what the company is up to, take us on that journey when Joseph and Eugenio founded Tools Group in 1993. Yeah, fantastic. 
you know, that the, the journey goes on today, right? Innovation is really part of our company culture. It's one of our core values as a company. And it was really the foundation of the company. Um, back in the 90s, Fiat had uh, terrible problems with aftermarket service. Hmm. Um, this is a classic business challenge. Expensive parts, slow-moving items. Don't know when a customer's going to necessarily need one. And their inventory levels got out of control and their service was very poor. And Eugenio Carnaccia organized a group of other MIT graduates uh, at the Draper Labs and got funding from Fiat to do a, a, an extraordinary innovation in the use of probabilistic forecasting hmm. in predicting irregular demand, uh, these types of slow-moving things. So it allowed Fiat to target specific service levels they wanted to hit for items that might not sell at all on certain days or certain weeks, but to have uh, absolute certainty on the range of probability, what could happen at what time, and given the service level that they wanted to achieve, target that specifically with the right stock levels of inventory. So it was the first of its kind. You know, uh, Still today, companies use best fit forecasting models, but they're totally in inappropriate for slow moving items. Uh, and there are issues with a high moving as well. But, you know, the impact for Fiat was game changing. They got mm -hmm. to from what was one of the poorest levels of service in the industry to 93 percent. Wow. Um, yeah. And this that type of movement, you know, going from in the low 70s to 50 percent in service to 93 has an extraordinary impact on top line revenue because you have the product the customer needs then. Um, they also reduced the inventory by 30 percent. So that's the magic wow. balance of hitting service level, but doing it with less working capital, even in a complex selling environment with very unpredictable demand. So this, this was a point of innovation. Um, uh, Eugenio later met uh, Joe Shamir, uh, who we, we call Yossi, our CEO. And together they did some of the early work in manufacturing 4.0. And in the process, really discovered that the, the low-hanging fruit, if you will, in manufacturing was supply chain. That was uh -huh. where the greatest impact could be had at that time. So they focused the whole company around the, the use of service-driven planning in supply chain. And uh, since then, we've continued to innovate. Before it became fashionable, we were, we were using machine learning back in 2010 wow. um, to do things like look at external causal factors and to also look at things like new product introduction where you need to characterize a product that you hadn't sold yet and used its relationship, its correlation to previous product histories that you had based upon how you could categorize it and let the machine learn and do that for you. So uh, that, that level of innovation continues today. Um, the use of external causals like weather and, and so forth uh, is very important to companies looking for continuing ways to find signal in outside data to help them plan. Absolutely. And I like the word that you used, probabilistic. I have never even heard that word before, but I really, really <laughs> like it. And I can see it becoming a buzzword. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not an easy word to pronounce as well. But the, the point is man, many, many companies still today rely on best fit forecast models, right? Mm -hmm. And the way those work, the, the model being used could change from one day to the next based upon the tournament play to select the best fit model. Probabilistic or stochastic forecasting uses the range of potential events, what could happen, mm -hmm. right? And then 
what a company needs to do is make a decision around what is a reasonable level of service to maintain across all the categories of goods that they sell, all the locations. Right? Inventory is not free, right? If inventory was free and uh, lead times were zero days, you could stock everything for everybody. But that's a put yourself out of business strategy. So working, <laughs> working with the constraints of the real world of supply chain and the, un, the, the built-in uncertainty you need an automated engine to optimize towards target service level. And it's probabilistic or stochastic forecasting that makes that possible. Thank you so much for, you know, diving into that word because I'm sure the audience picked up on it as well and was kind of wondering what that meant for them. And that was a that was a great explanation. And so we've heard about your foundation of innovation, but I'm also fascinated by how the tools group story has progressed. You say that to be ready for anything, supply chains need to predict, protect, and perform. Can you walk us through what each of those areas look like. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And the, the can't, you can't make it up story there. That branding, that story line that we put forth was within weeks of the pandemic hitting. So oh, wow. uh, you, can't, you can't make that up, but that's exactly what the timing was. But the idea of be ready for anything is to be able to deal with uncertainty in your business. So the first piece of that is to predict the range of possible outcomes. And uh, we do that bottoms up. We look at every, every SKU, every location, through every point in time historically where the customer has done business. And again, get to that range of probability so we then have something to model towards. And that's where the protect comes in, right? Because when you're, when you're Driving your business towards service level, right? What is service level, by the way? Let's just stop right there. It's having the product the customer wants when they want it, okay? So another word for that, just before you go on, would be customer experience, right? The two are tied together through service levels. Yeah. And I was just talking about how companies actually have 13% more revenue when they focus on their supply chains for their customer experience. Just saying. Yeah. Well, we live in the, uh, the age of a buying community educated by Amazon with, with right. same day delivery in some locations. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, many of our customers are working in markets where there's a high degree of available stuff substitutions, uh, uh, tire hub, uh, they distribute tires for, uh, they're, they're a startup from, uh, Goodyear and Bridgestone with to disintermediate and accelerate the flow of, of supply. Because if, if you have a particular brand tire you want and dealer A doesn't have it, you'll go the five miles and get it from dealer B, right? Mm -hmm. So hitting service level effectively and doing that without overwhelming your business with inventory, which you can't do. I mean, their, their mission, you know, it's up on the walls in their offices, is to increase inventory turns, right? They're, mm -hmm. a, a, they're an enabler for the tire distribution for the manufacturers, to make them their business more fundamentally efficient. Hmm. Amazing, amazing. I love that. And you know, I think I think it's true and it's funny that you came out with this 
just moments before the pandemic hit and how true today those three words are yeah. to supply chains. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And from what I've read and, and from my research, you, you have a service-driven approach. And I'm intrigued by that because you don't always hear that from a software company, right? So what do you mean by that? How does a focus on service level delivery set tools group apart and what are the benefits of that approach yeah yeah the you know fundamentally our focus like like the fiat example i gave is about business outcome and you know, service level is can be equated to top line revenue it's avoiding yeah. lost sales it's losing to competition avoiding losing to competition right mm -hmm. And so that's a fun, that's, you know, why you're in business is to have the product yep. the customer wants and to have it when and where they want it. Right. Yep. And particularly in commodity type industries where there's easy substitution. So uh, th that then you have to deal with the complexity and, and, and that gets into the, the, our third P, the perform piece. Right. You have to have underlying automation and optimization of how you're applying your inventory by location and time to achieve service level given the range of potential actual demand. And that is not possible without automation. We, we have a um, one of the world's largest and most highly recognized distributors of uh, complex electronic components. They're driven by service. They, they have over 10 million SKU location combinations wow. and constant new product introductions. And their, their motto to their customers is, we have what you want when you need it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but given that amount of complexity, right, with 20, 30% product turnover in the, in the SKU count during the year, 10 million SKU location combinations, this is not something you're going to deal with on a spreadsheet, right? You need large-scale yeah, no, no <laughs> large uh, intelligent okay. analytics and automation in order to, to get the plan, the actual execution plan that, that can be operated. Well, I mean, 10 million SKUs. I mean, that is quite a lot to handle, right? It so, adds, it's, it's when you think about the term widgets, they have a lot of widgets. <laughs> well, and they must have their data house in order because widgets can be spelled all sorts of different ways. And if you don't have one particular way of spelling that widget, then your data house just completely crumbles as well, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that, you know, that's that's a challenge many of our customers face when they start to combine their operations. And we help them deal with that because many big companies have gone through grown through acquisition, and widget yeah. A is called this in one location, and the same <laughs> thing is called something else with a different coding someplace else. And being able to normalize and reconcile that so that you can get to a single view of of the operating model of inventory is one of the uh, the critical challenges that customers face, and we we help them through that. Absolutely. And it's such a critical piece. I mean, just imagine the spreadsheets that a company might have <laughs> just because they've called one particular piece or one particular product five different things across five different um, locations and trying to find that one thing in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, I Like my eyes cross and I start sweating just thinking about it. <laughs> so... Um, what additional pressures has the pandemic placed on your customers and their supply chain planning? I would assume there's a lot, <laughs> um, but you work a 
across, you know, consumer goods, manufacturing, retail, they're all areas that have been heavily impacted by the pandemic. And I'm, I, I would be curious also to hear what kind of questions are they coming to you with? Are they coming to you with challenges that maybe you're not solving today that you can solve later on down the road for them or that you're working closely with them to solve? Um, because also, you know, when it looks, when we look at manufacturing, people are taking a look at their risks and they're coming up with all sorts of different solutions, right? Sure-shoring, near-shoring, keeping it where it is. There's all sorts of things that are coming up right yeah. now. So, so walk us through that. Yeah, no, terrific. Uh, the world, Tom Friedman, is going to be a lot less flat now, right? right. <laughs> We're back to uh, geopolitical and pandemic and uh, uh, operating supply, uh, offshore logistics issues. You know, fundamentally, what our customers have seen is a uh, hot, more variable supply, right, due to production. Uh, limitations caused by the pandemic, and a, a chronic shortage of shipment lane capacity, which yes. everyone on the planet got educated by when the world's largest container ship went sideways in the Suez Canal and dropped something like, in a, you know, it was a, a tr like a trillion dollars in commerce stopped. Um, mm -hmm. So dealing with that, what th that th those changes puts even more pressure on having uh, digital transformation in your your operating model, right? Because uh, for a couple of reasons, number one is the, the fundamental thing. You need to be able to get more service with less inventory. You can't just count on uh, having that lane capacity and those containers right. uh, that you were relying on before. And so getting that mix right so that you're you're pulling through the products that are going to sell for you the best and at the best possible volumes is making the channel as efficient as possible, right? So it, it puts even more pressure on that. You know, the other side of this is being able to simulate, right? Because, yeah. you know, to be ready for anything, you have to look at extreme cases and how you would like to have your business set up and doing that. And, you know, that's one thing we've worked on with our customers during the pandemic is to do multiple series of runs within the simulation model to see if the if the supply constraints, lead times, ship fill rates, and so forth were to change, where would I end up, and what would be the best business outcome I could get if that was to to be right? Um, yeah. So it takes that type of scenario analysis to get a uh, do the intelligent what if, and and to, in order to do that, you have to have a digital model of your supply chain. Yes, I love the simulations that companies are coming out with now because you can actually go through several different scenarios and several different ways of moving things or ordering things to, based on different different factors that we weren't able to do in supply chain before. And I honestly, I think that's one of the biggest game changers. But you're also talking about, because we went from just-in-time inventory pre-pandemic. Pre now people are talking about just-in-case inventory, but you're saying that people don't need just-in-case inventory. So what would you say to those that are talking about just-in-case inventory? Well, the, again, as we talked about earlier, you can't just uh, crank up your safety stocks as a strategy, right? Mm -hmm. um, the inventory is not free. The space to keep it's not free. 
there's product obsolescence, there's yeah. uh, SKU turnover issues. So there's still that pressure on inventory. And as I said, e- even more so today to get it right uh, for when you're, you're, you're your lane capacity, you know, what you can actually get through and have arrive where you need it. When that's further restricted, you Mm -hmm. know, you need to get it right. So, you know, having a real world digital model of how your supply chain operates is essential, right? Uh, Companies that that haven't made that investment are going to fall behind their competitors. And and what about those lead times? Because obviously with, you know, international shipping right now, we're seeing way longer lead times than yeah. we've ever yeah. seen before. So what would you tell people or organizations or supply chain professionals that, you know, might be looking at the just-in-case model because they don't know when they can get their next run of inventory in because of all of these challenges? What yeah. would you say to them? Well, there, again, the automation towards your business objective is key, right? One of the constraints can be cost, right? How much can I spend on inventory? Certain businesses, I I gave the Tire Hub example earlier, they have working capital constraints with their covenants with their investors, right? Right. So they can't just throw money at the problem and stock more stuff. I mean, because obviously, if you stock more, it gives you more buffer, right? Um, And that that deals with the lead time. But it, it doesn't solve the problem of SKU turnover, Right. And many of the companies that we deal with, uh, it, you, you know, you think about the branded cosmetics companies and others that, you know, they're they have shelf life issues with the product. Yes, they do. You can't yeah. just and it's from the source original source point of time of the, of the materials that are going into it. So you can't just throw inventory at the problem for a lot of different reasons. And again, it, it really necessitates being able to simulate scenarios and then in certain cases, pick the best of. Uh, several potential bad scenarios. You know, this isn't the business result we want, but given the conditions, this is the best one we can get, right? And that's part of you know managing the, uh, the against the the constraints that are presented by what we've been through in the last year and a half. Well, and I also think it gives you an opportunity to communicate with your customer. Because you've already run through the scenarios, so you know what it looks like. So you can actually go to your customer and say, hey, listen, we're going to have the inventory in, but based on what is happening right now that's kind of out of our control, it might be a week and a half or two weeks delayed. So you may want to potentially order more or whatever that scenario looks like, but you communicate to them ahead of time rather than in the moment to say, oh, this has happened. You know, I... This topic, Sarah, is about being a partner in business outcome for your customer, right? Yeah. We're not a technology vendor. We're a provider of business value outcome, right? Hmm. Uh, That's embodied in two offerings we have. We have one that we call premium care, which is not technical support. It's about how to use the technology to achieve the result that you're looking for, given the constraints that you're faced with, right? And our, you know, we provide that kind of advisory consulting to our customers. Um, you know, and the other foundation to that is what we call value planning, right? When you, when we, from the day we first start talking to a customer, we focus in on an actual real-world business model of what is achievable for them, and gain mm-hmm. agreement on the objectives, the business objectives. What do you want to do with inventory turns? What do you want to do with service level? What does this mean in terms of inventory carrying costs? What are you know the underlying assumptions 
validated. So, okay, now we have framed a set of business objectives. Then when you get post-implementation and go live and you're immersed in using the solution, you can pull that frame back out and say, how are we doing? Right. Why are we not, you know, if we're not getting where we need to, what do we need to adjust uh, to achieve that business issue? And yeah. again, you know, that gets into the scenario analysis and, and looking at the new sets of constraints because, you know, the world is not static. As we've seen, a lot changes and you need to recast how you're using your automation mm-hmm. get, given the new constraints you face. Well, and the end goal in mind, and then you work backwards from there, which I love. And, you know, I've been hearing a lot about supply chain digitization and transformation, and you and I have been talking about that today. What does that mean from the tools group perspective, and why is that important to customers or maybe organizations that would be looking to tools group? Yeah. Well, you know, as we said, it's, it's a really fundamental capital investment, but it has to be specific and targeted, right? The idea, okay, we'll make everything digital. Great. That's a great concept, but companies can't absorb that, right? Right. And you have to decide where you start. And you know, what we like to say with our customers is get the plan right. Okay. Start with the right plan that you're going, you're, you're going after something that is meaningful, important to your business. You know, there's other things with uh, B2B commerce and, and supplier visibility and tracking shipments via, uh, kites and and knowing where everything right. is all the time. There's a lot of you know powerful nuance that can be done with digitization. But when we talk about digital transformation with our customers, the starting point is to having the right plan, which is an attainable plan, one that you can achieve and that is optimized towards your business outcomes. You know now you can start working in the edges, right? And we do things on the edges with our customers. Where should I build it, right? Uh, we have a solution called plant cost optimization that can look at, you know, given the alternative cycles and locations I have to build, where should I build it to meet this demand plan, right? This right. this production plan. Um, so that you know, as you get the core established, now you can start working on the the edge items to to really create a new behavior in your network, and that's the, the, the customers who have the underlying automation now can look at their supplier covenants, multi-sourcing, how I can do, as you mentioned earlier, potentially look at on-sourcing. Should I make changes to my distribution network? Should I build another warehouse? These are questions that you can answer within the tool, right? Um, Little things, uh, shipping less than truckload uh, uh, to to get to a, a network that's not laid out, right? Costs a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so those decisions about how your what your logistics or what your actual underlying network looks like and what investments you should make there are the times of things that you earn yourself the time to do when you've got the actual underlying operation automated. Amazing, because that's one thing that supply chain professionals do not have right now is time. And so they definitely need time back in their day to be able to take a look at where their risks are in their supply chains. And that's really, really what you're talking about. So if I'm in the audience and I'm listening to this, who is your ideal client? What do I look like and what questions am I asking myself uh, to really pick up the phone and give you a call? Well, I've mentioned one of them. I mentioned TireHub earlier, and I mentioned without giving their name, um, this very successful uh, complex electronic components distributor. And in both cases, there was senior executive involvement on business objectives, right? 
in both cases, we had the, the most uh, highest level executives in the company on the final planning calls before we got to a decision with them. And we now follow up with them. So that executive engagement with, with clarity on business outcome makes for the best customer for, for us. Um, you know, the, the companies that have a high um, distribution component and inventory cost to their business, uh, the leverage that we give them is substantial. You know, we will go into companies and reduce their inventory cost by 30% in some cases. It's wow. a huge impact, you know, to the bottom line. Yeah. And, you know, moving the dial on service level a few percentage points uh, is, has an exponential impact on the top line revenue mm -hmm. as well. So that all comes from being really clear on what you want to get out of the business and having the executive backing to do it so that you can carry out and on the plan execution and make these kind of higher level decisions that we talked about around network and supplier uh, constraints and alternative supply and these things that are the strategic aspect of running your business and your supply chain. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the 30% outcome. Now is my favorite part of the show because we get to talk about a case study. So tell me about a customer. What was the challenge that they came to you with? What was the solution that you provided? And what was the impact or the ROI to their business that was achieved? Yeah. Well, classic example for a couple of reasons is Lennox. Now you'll know Lennox for home and uh, industrial air conditioning and heating equipment. Uh, they've been a customer for now over 14 years because wow. we're fundamental to their business. You know, we're part of their core operating model for their business. And they were expanding. They were changing, uh, moving to a new hub and spoke model um, with uh, 55 shipping and 161 selling locations. They had significant turnover in their SKU and product mix. And this represented a great deal of complexity. The other aspect is, as you can imagine, in heating and cooling, <laughs> their business is very seasonal, right? Right. And very affected by changes in, in weather patterns and uh, regionally within the country and, and uh, of course, during the year. Uh, we've gotten quite an education on weather patterns this year. Um, yeah. But so we automated their uh, demand planning and the optimization of inventory and the impact it had for them. And, you know, this is stunning, but a 16% service level increase, which wow. is extraordinary, is extraordinary for many businesses are happy with two or 3% improvement in service mm -hmm. level. So this, this was substantial. Um, and, and, and while achieving that, they increased their inventory turns by 25%, right? So, Huge. you know, what does that mean? That translates into a reduction in the amount of working capital that's consumed in your static inventory, right? And you can take yeah. that capital and apply it to investing in other aspects of your digital transformation. And, you know, they will credit this impact on their business to really increasing their market share as well. So when you deliver awesome. better service and uh, you get more customers because they know they can rely on you, right? Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, critical there and, um, you know, no doubt the, the market share increase got them some additional cap market capitalization as well. So, you know, really, absolutely. Really so all impact. around the numbers are up. The executive team is extremely happy and they've been with you for 14 years. So, yeah. you know, that just goes to show all on its own. And I'm sure your, 
you're solving for business cases with them all the time because you're a partner for them. Like you said, you're not just a technology vendor, you're a partner and, and working those through with them. So where do you see the industry going in the next five years? What what does that look like? I mean, we've heard a lot about dark stores this year. We've heard about micro fulfillment. So are companies going to expand their footprint? What does that kind of look like? Are you seeing more companies looking to uh, near shore as well? Yeah. Well, in, you know, fundamentally in our language, companies are going to look at changing their network, right? And when we talk about network, we mean where does the product come from? Where does yeah. it reside along the way? Where is it ultimately consumed or purchased, right? And looking at that distribution, you know, many of our customers are multi-channel. They go consumer direct, and they also have a retail front. Uh, Guitar Center is an example. They have re- brick and mortar retail stores. And they have a consumer direct business as well. How you're going to allocate inventory across those, you know, can you, does it make sense to cross ship within your network, right? right? These are things that you need to be able to simulate. So, you know, where the industry is going to go is extend the reach of simulation, right? So that at a level that can be comprehended by a expert supply chain professional, and I underline, you know, because it's got to be usable. Yeah. But to extend the simulation of the business to all of its aspects and to look to be more efficiently be able to look at scenarios and to start to do that what-if analysis on what kind of investments do I have to make in order to really move the dial on how my network performs, right? Right. Uh, as we talked, suggested about earlier, you know, can I get, how close can I get to zero lead time and infinite turnovers, right? Um, right. Never going to happen, but uh, that if you can move the dial a few percentage on those types of things with the right level of capital investment, um, that's critical. And, you know, certainly for, you know, for our business um, in, in the near future, we're going to be extending our reach into the kind of upstream assortment planning that, you know, what should I sell given my production capacity and how do I lay that out? And then, you know, finally downstream when I know what I, when I, what I'm getting, how should I allocate that based upon the current demand that I'm seeing? Right. So being able to automate the planning from the, the, the beginning, what should I do? And then to extending that down to making decisions route, how you're going to deal with the point of consumption, that buying experience, right. Um, so that's the that's uh, you know extending that end to end piece as you have the core problem in hand. Yeah, amazing. And I cannot wait to see what that means for your customers and for anybody in the audience, you know, that works with Tool Group, a Tools Group in the future. I, I'm so excited. And you know, if what Tools Group has achieved so far is any indication, the future is going to be huge. As you say, the world doesn't follow the rules; it never will. And so we need to work on being ready, not just saying we're ready. Having a few post-pandemic meetings and then going back to the old ways. We really need to embrace the change, assess our risk, optimize, automate, and really get proactive. And one of the most important parts of readiness is collaboration. You need a partner like Tools Group on your side so that you can be ready for anything. So a big thanks to David for joining us today and to Tools Group for making this happen. David, what is the website? Where can people get more information? 
toolsgroup.com. You can see many of the customer stories that I talked about there. You can look at the range of things we do with transformation and the innovation in the core operating plan for your supply chain. And uh, you'll, what you can't get through the website completely is the, the passion and enthusiasm that our team has for being a business partner with our customers. You know, you've touched on a couple of our core values today. Innovation is one of them. Collaboration is one of them. And passion for excellence is one of them as well, as long as, as well as integrity. And so the, the um, it's, it's fun work, you know, when you get in there and you can see the difference you've made and customers tell you about the impact that you've had uh, and you're really part of their business, it's, it's fun work to do. You, you look forward to getting up in the morning and getting to work the next day. Amazing. And your passion has come through this episode in spades. So I can only imagine what the rest of the team has as far as passion. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the show today. Thank you, Sarah. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. We also have a category filter built just for you because we know you have supply chain challenges and I bet that we have had that solution on this show. So check out the category filter, go and check out the companies within that category that you're looking for some help with and go and check them out. Listen to what they have to say and how they have helped their customers and you'll get a better understanding of who is out there and how they can help you. And remember to come back next week where I will be joined by C3 Solutions. And I can't wait to do a deep dive into what they are doing and how they are changing the supply chain industry. So stay tuned because they are coming back with me next week. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're also on Clubhouse. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com or subscribe to our Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube channel, which is full of amazing podcast episodes. We also have our brand new live show community there as well. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. Or if you would like a free copy of our supply chain dictionary, head over to the Let's Talk Supply Chain Instagram and direct message us talk one and you can get your free dictionary. Remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.